Hey there traders, looking to take the guesswork out of trading and only 10 minutes a day? Then you need to head on over to AIStockTradingSystem.com right now, where you can get our five-step system to take the guesswork out of trading in only 10 minutes per day. And the only place to get that is at AIStockTradingSystem.com. That's AIStockTradingSystem.com. Hey there, traders. Welcome back to today's How to Trade Stocks and Options podcast. Today, we have a special guest online, one of my personal friends, Steve Burns. We're going to be talking about negative oil. If It's never happened before. And I thought, my first thought was, I need to go to the smartest trader that I know. And that's Mr. Steve Burns. Steve, thank you so much for coming on the show today. This is the How to Trade Stocks and Options podcast brought to you by 10MinuteStockTrader.com where we give you the tools, tips, and tricks to help you trade faster and trade smarter. And here's your host, voted one of the top 100 people in finance by Redwood Media Group, founder and head trader of 10MinuteStockTrader.com, Christopher Yule. The How to Trade Stocks and Options podcast is produced in partnership with my friends at FinClub.ai. I use the artificial intelligence data from FinClub as my primary indicator. I don't even take a trade if FinClub doesn't show me that I have a greater edge than any other traders in the market. You've heard the stats, 90% of traders fail, which is why you need to find an edge, and FinClub has that edge for you for just a few dollars a day. The returns produced by FinClub have been shown to be more than double that of the market, with win rates as high as 90%. I mean, they basically make it so easy, they're gonna show you exactly what stock is going to exactly what price. Basically, they're handing everything you need to you on a silver platter. Listen, they are so confident that this will change the way you trade. FinClub.ai is going to give you two full weeks to test drive their service, and they'll even give you all their historical results so you can see exactly how it works and how it can dramatically change the way you trade. And that's exactly what I've done. So head on over to FinClub.ai to start your free two-week trial, and I'll even throw in some extra bonuses after you sign up. Now the only place you can get your discounts and free bonuses is at FinClub.ai. That's FinClub.ai. It was good to talk to you, Chris. Now, Steve, what in the world happened? <laughs> well, that's <laughs> that's the lesson when people say, well, it can't go to zero. Um, there's a lesson that, oh, yes, it can go to zero, and it can go negative, which is uh, just a, a reflection of supply and demand. And in this instance, even a reflection of uh, a shortage of storage space and, uh, and just nobody wanting it. As uh, I think the gasoline consumption has dropped in the U.S., I think over 30% since the quarantine has started. Some some places completely shut down. Even around the world, uh, countries in quarantine, and you know you can you can't keep feeding something through a supply chain for so long until eventually the supply chain gets backed up where the gasoline's is not being sold at the pump and the uh, gasoline refineries aren't needing the oil to refine into gasoline, and it just slowly backs up. Uh, the planes, you know, cutting back the flights for jet fuel. Uh, in the world come to a standstill and drove it to a place where not only has May, um, the expiration in uh, the May uh, oil contracts came into play, uh, nobody wanted to take delivery <laughs> to the point where they're willing to pay you to take to uh, take delivery of their oil. It's absolutely unbelievable. I mean, this is this is an actual object, right? A tangible commodity. I, you can go and grab a barrel of it and you can refine it and put it in your car and everything else. And it had gone to not just zero, but less than zero. 
I mean, it would be like pulling up to the gas station and they're saying, hey, here's $5. Let me fill up your car for you and then you can leave, right? Whoever thought that, that anything like this could be possible? Especially not a uh, commodity like oil, which remember uh, how many years ago was it? We thought there was peak oil and oil was $140 a barrel and thought we'd run out of oil. And, uh, and not only not have peak oil, but uh, that 2000, the year 2000, was the peak of, uh, of gasoline and oil usage. And it's been declining since then. A lot of technology has replaced the need to travel and uh, go places. You know, apps have replaced a lot of banking, and uh, just and Skype has replaced a lot of, uh, and Zoom has replaced a lot of business meetings and travel, and uh, just a declining de- demand since for the last 20 years for uh, really traveling. And oil is really tied to the traveling sector and industry. And uh, just I never thought I'd see a day that the supply chain would be so backed up that you literally. Uh, you'll be paid uh the funniest thing chris i don't know if you saw the morning of the uh the may uh oil futures contract uh plunging dramatically people were shocked it was crashing 40 50 percent early that morning on the day of the negative and i tweeted out well i see strong support at free (laughs) i did see that (laughs) you did yeah (laughs) and it was a joke i was trying to you know that was purely a joke and it went viral as it crashed below zero and everybody well it was not supported at zero it crashed into the negatives uh the market market wizard in uh, my facebook trading group that said uh can the can they even trade in negative numbers on the futures exchange i mean how do you even execute trades in negatives when you're paying people if you're short oil they will pay you to cover your short by going long in oil contract to cover it. I mean, just unheard of in the oil, uh, the oil space. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, you were talking about earlier the the demand, right? You've seen flights. I think there's like, actually, where where I live, I can see a lot of airplanes flying to and from DFW Airport, and um, it uh, it. It surprised me the other day. I actually saw a, a airplane going over, and I was like, "Oh, I thought they grounded all flights." But it's something like 90 plus percent less flights than uh, previously. And you know, all these people who are telecommuting now, doing all their work from home. I mean, we're we're really setting a precedent. We're teaching people how to work from home under these extreme circumstances, and. I would imagine that once this is over, you've got this huge segment of the population that used to have to commute 30 minutes to an hour each way to a job that they didn't enjoy and, you know, spend, uh, you know, a tank of gas every week or two. And now they're going to be like, why do I need to do that? I already know I can work from home. I'm just going to stay home and save the gas money and save the time and save the, the, the headache of being in traffic. I could see this being one of those uh, catalyst events that really just totally collapses the the oil industry as we know it from this huge never stopping uh, petroleum producing you know OPEC it's more and more and more all the time to nobody's buying this right I mean we've only had oil production and everything for the last 100 or 150 years so it's not like it's been something since the dawn of time but I could really see this having far sweeping implications for the oil industry for good. Yeah, and, and Russia and uh, the Saudi Arabia couldn't pick a worse time to not cut production and get into a price, an oil mm-hmm. price war and try to drive people out of business by just, you know, because their production costs in Saudi Arabia is much less than, you know, some of the shale producers in uh, the U.S. And, uh, you know, it's all about production costs. People thought there was a floor to 
oil prices was the cost of production because once you get below the cost of production, you're going to drop drop production and you should somehow have equilibrium with supply and demand. You're not going to keep supplying oil when literally the more oil that they're producing and selling to the market, the more money they lose if it's below the production cost. So that was supposed to be a floor. And of course, zero was supposed to be a floor, but it really shows you anything can happen. And like you said, that's a change in behavior now with this whole uh, pandemic, which the macroeconomic standpoint to me, I don't, I trade price action, not my opinion, but macroeconomically right now, we're in the worst situation we've been at through the Great Depression, and in mm-hmm. some ways worse than the Great Depression because people can't go do certain things even if they want to with 27 million unemployed in so many countries and states in lockdown and quarantine and the fear. And like you said, uh, this change of behavior, how many people were forced to go on e-commerce that never ordered from Amazon? Uh, Target mm-hmm. e-commerce was up 275%. And like you said, people, you know, find out that 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 meeting could have been an email after all. You know, they didn't have to travel for that business meeting. It could have been on Zoom or uh, Skype. Uh, So, yeah, I think this is, like you said, forcing people to change behaviors, people, you know, in the older age groups uh, that never did do any of the technological things had no choice. And once they've learned that, then they've opened a new door. So, like you said, you can see huge uh, shifts in behaviors, even when this ends, when they realize, you know, they can live a different life. They can have things delivered to their door. You know, they don't have to go grocery shopping. Amazon has grocery delivery in a lot of major cities now uh, with just one of many things. So I completely agree with you. It's a change in behaviors that could impact uh, impact for the rest of our lifetimes. You know, and then also you think about tourism, right? You're thinking about like Florida, where so much of their economy is based around tourism and there is nothing there. And, you know, I started to get really concerned when I saw uh, the Cheesecake Factory, which um, a funny story, my wife and I, we had a gift card and I saw this news headline that said the Cheesecake Factory is going to stop paying all of their rent on April 1st. And my first thought was, I gotta go use this gift card. <laughs> so, so I went there, and I mean, there's a line of people trying to, uh, you know, get get takeout from there. So I know that there's still some demand. Of course, it's it's so much less than it was before. But I mean, just the 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 hospitality industry, you know, hotels, uh, tourism. I mean, th- this is. I didn't realize that just shutting things down for six, eight, twelve weeks would be catastrophic to some companies and some industries and some locations. Honestly, when you think about just how short of a time it took to unravel all these things, that's kind of scary. Yeah, and and this is something that they did do in other countries. They've tested this before in states of uh, communism where they shut down capitalists, shut don't let capitalists spend money, don't let capitalists build make businesses, don't let don't let capitalists create jobs, don't let economies function as a free market economy for supply and demand. And this is what happens. You know, you have the government trying to figure out how to give people $1200 stimulus checks and what industries to bail out, what industries not to bail out, you know, how to give money to small businesses and loans and grants and we have seen very quickly and clearly in my perspective that politicians are not masters of economics. Even in the best of times, they run up deficits that are mind-boggling, and they don't achieve what they set out to achieve in most instances. And it really shows the dangers of shutting down an economy. And like you said, uh, look at Italy and Italy and uh, Spain, the tourism in Europe, France, Paris. I mean, that is their economy in a lot of uh, 
cities over there, like Paris. You shut down Paris for tourism. That's their economy's gone. Mm-hmm. And they were already fighting for increased pensions, and now they have no cash flows. So not to mention the U.S., uh, you know, the state income tax shortfalls of the states because people aren't working. Uh, you know, they're having a municipal bond level issues where uh, these cities and states are not getting their tax revenues. So we have systemic risk, and the oil is the first reflection, the quickest physical thing that you could see the entire economy shut down, how it's backing up supply chains across the country, and it's just one shoe to drop. I don't think we can even comprehend the the systemic risk of this and what could break loose that uh, politicians and uh, planners can't even begin to imagine, you know, the people not working and you know people not and i've heard the unemployment on the websites you can't get through to file unemployment in states it's just a complete nightmare and most people didn't get their their twelve hundred dollar checks if they didn't have automatic deposit somehow set up so this is just a fiasco i think oil is just a first domino in this if we do not get the economy reopened and get back to work and get all the uh, tax revenue flowing and the, uh, and the and customers and businesses flowing and capitalists putting their money at risk uh, for gain. Uh, this is just, I think, step one of what could be a lot of dominoes. And you know mm-hmm. the expectations right now for the markets is it is going to get back in, in going again next month. You know the plan, but uh, it could be uh, it could be a lot different than what they expect. So uh, just huge amount of systemic risk. And I think the oil the oil going negative is just the first. Oh yeah, for sure. So, so do you think, cause my, my first thought, and this was a couple of weeks ago was that there's going to be a lot of pent up demand. We're going to see all these people who, you know, want to go and buy things like, like in my household, we have a list of things that we're, we're waiting out to go and buy. Um, do you think that there's going to be like a rubber band effect or do you think that this will be more prolonged than well, I mean, you, you kind of answered that a minute ago. Do you think that it's it's going to bounce back quickly or do you think that it's going to take a longer amount of time? Because I know for me, like I want to go and spend money, but I got my stimulus check and I got my other you know income and everything and I'm sitting on it. And I'm telling my wife, we are not spending money right now. She's like, oh, I need new furniture. And I'm like, no, you don't. This furniture is just fine. Let's just make sure we get through this pandemic before you go and spend your stimulus check. Uh, the greatest, most important fundamental in any market, which is another reflection of the oil market, is liquidity. That's the most important fundamental. And when you do not have tax revenues flowing into cities and states and you do not have income uh, uh, pay f- flowing into employees' hands, you have 27 million unemployed, you have fear of the unknown. I mean, it's a real division of the has and have nots. You know, many of us. You know, fortunate enough that you know I was you know already doing our own thing, already trading, you know already having online based uh, jobs or businesses. You know, people white collar people are fine. They go home, they work from Zoom, they keep doing their job. They did it at the office anyway. But people that work directly with the public, you know, even Uber drivers, service industry, hotels, uh, grocery stores, fast food, anything that's front facing public, you know, they've been decimated. I have 27 million people unemployed right now, you know, trying to replace their entire ability to make a living with a one $1,200 one time check. So liquidity is going to be the problem. And that's the first problem with oil. You just do not have buy even stepping in to take the oil, you know, much like in the financial crisis when the bank stocks plummeted, you know, Bear Stearns went to zero. Uh, there was a liquidity problem. I remember watching the real-time tickers in 2008 where, where uh, financial bank stocks would just keep plunging and plunging. And like, where are the buyers? There was no buyers. There was no liquidity on the buy side. And if you don't have somebody stepping in to buy, 
then it's just going to keep going down. And that was the most extreme example I've ever seen with oil. You know, it's liquidity, and I just don't see the liquidity. We are so far behind now. Uh, people don't have to go play catch up with a lot of things, and uh, mm-hmm. I don't see the the fast bounce back like other people see. There's people right now waiting in food bank lines for six miles long and for for five, four to five hours just to get food bank items. So it's people that the working poor and people that live paycheck to paycheck had, were severely hurt in this. That's what those protests are really showing throughout the country, where they've taken away these people's abilities to make a living and replaced it with one. $1,200 check and a, and a nightmare to try to get unemployment from everything I've heard. So it's a liquidity problem. And it's really a, some people are sitting home watching Netflix, you know, you know, cooped up and bored. Other people are like, how in the world am I going to pay my rent? There's a large percentage of rents and mortgages already being paid right now. Mm-hmm. That's a liquidity pro- pro- problem inside of the the real estate industry, not to mention all the malls are closed in, in most of these states and even countries, so they don't have the rents coming in. So this is a, one of the, the biggest liquidity crises I've ever seen in my life, maybe worse than the Great Depression itself. Wow. Uh, the 9-11 and um, 9/11, the financial crisis just seems so tame that I lived through versus this from, from what I've oh, seen. Wow. Man, and, and, and all this has transpired over a matter of you know just a few weeks, so – that's that's the part that really boggles my mind, you know, going back to that. It's just seeing how quickly it just unravels when yeah. when uh you know when when the string is pulled or the the fuse is lit, just how quickly it, it falls apart. Um my my first real like eyebrow moment was um not just Cheesecake Factory, but around that time was hearing all these restaurants closed and and um, not just closed for for the pandemic, but they're like, oh, we've been closed for a week and now we are shutting our doors permanently. And it's like, what already? Like you can't not make money for a week. Like that's just it's scary to hear that that so fast what we've built can be taken away. Yeah, most so many people, uh, most most people in the world live paycheck to paycheck, especially Americans. You know, most half the people, even high income earners, you know, they have their paychecks come in and they pay all their bills and it's gone. They start again. And without any of that for uh, they have a liquidity crisis within 30 days in a lot of cases. And uh, think about the sporting events closed down. I mean, oh, how yeah. many vendors ESPN advertising the, everybody that works in those stadiums, all the restaurants around those stadiums, I mean, it is mind-boggling to think of the billions and billions taken right out of people's pockets with the all the uh, sports being closed down. And, and I don't, I will see, the big question will be, will people go feel comfortable sitting elbow-to-elbow with people in closed-in uh, arenas and stadiums watching sports when this is over? How long will it take people to to feel completely confident exposing themselves to this because the real fear not even the fear but the reality is if you do contract this if it gets through your immune system and uh, you get knocked out and you go to the hospital you're not allowed to have visitors i mean mm-hmm. you will die alone if if you get overtaken and go on a ventilator very 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 low probability risk of ruin you know maybe you know one in ten thousand one one in uh, fifty thousand odds depending on where you live and how much exposure you have but you know if you got a swimming pool full of uh M&Ms and you eat one, it'll kill you. People tend not to eat M&Ms out of the swimming pool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's a great point. You know, the, the the medical profession, you know, thank goodness for them taking care of the people that they are. But then, you know, we, we've built up this very expensive, hugely dependent um, healthcare industry. And then 
to have that nearly shut down because of people like me. Like I was just saying, you're not going to the doctor. You're going to have to tough this out. I mean, that's another thing that that could be ripe for for change, just like oil. Yeah. Have you seen the the issues? Like you said, there's everything I've heard of watching the news is doctors and emergency rooms with all dealing with the COVID-19 crisis. They keep saying, where are all the other patients? Where are the car wrecks and the broken yeah. legs? And where's the normal people with the normal yeah. flu? Where do they all go? But like you said, they're not going unless it's a life threatening situation. And what's really odd is, you know, the car wrecks and all the other kind of injuries, work injuries are all gone because so many people aren't working and aren't mm-hmm. out driving. So it's actually dropped the need for a lot of the basic uh, things unless they're having a stroke or a heart attack. Like you said, people aren't going. So now we have uh, no uh, action in the normal medical, the regular medical uh, side of it. But a lot of people going on those medical ships in, in California and New York. Right. Uh, you know, because those people non COVID-19, there wasn't that many people because, like you said, they're doing everything they can. Just have the biggest thing that uh, the politicians and, uh, you know, the quarantine, you know, had to be done, had to save lives. They had to do what they had to do to not have lose millions of people. No doubt about that. But the unintended consequences in trying to make the right decision and solve the problem versus just creating other problems and giving uh, money willy nilly to. Uh, organizations that have nothing to do with this pandemic instead of focusing on the people and human suffering of this is, you know, you just can't have one person making all the economic decisions. I think that's what we're seeing more than anything through this. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, it's crazy. You know, we, we really don't know when it's going to be over with. I mean, obviously I'm hoping for some sort of miracle and it can be done sooner than later. So we can all get back to some set of normalcy, but but that normalcy is going to be different now, Steve. It's a it's a weird thought, you know. What what's going to be there? What's not going to be there when we all emerge from our our uh, our, <laughs> our cocoons? Yeah, I feel like we're going to be like the great great depression generation. It's going to be we're going to be like the uh, pandemic generation. Yes. Where yeah. We say no, don't go, don't go expose yourself to sitting right next to there. Just watch the game at home, you know. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Why would you I mean, I don't even. I don't even know what what uh, ESPN could be showing right now. What what are, what are they showing? They had I mean, a uh, they had a Bulls documentary. Uh, I think it's called The Last Dance, where they show the Bulls. I don't know if it's the last season of the Bulls, and they had like 14 million viewers. But uh, you know that's what but they're destroyed. I mean, how do they have yeah. advertising during this? Who do there's like you said? I mean, it's just so many unintended consequences that are that are like throwing a rock into a pond that it's going to take months even after we start reopening to even figure out. I think the oil, mm-hmm. the oil was the canary in the coal mine showing the lack of demand in that. If there's a lack of demand in oil that they'll pay you to take it because they run out of storage, then that shows the slowness of the entire economy. You know, it's like Disney stock. Imagine what their earnings going to look like with their, with their theme parks closed down their uh, stores closed down the malls uh, they're gonna have one for disney plus they could start having liquidity issues themselves and have to mm-hmm. issue more equity or bonds i mean this is a liquidity crisis because of lack of economic activity yeah and like i said That's oil is the canary in the coal mine well steve i'm gonna i'm gonna wrap it up on that that was uh pretty much exactly what uh we needed to hear right there's a liquidity crisis out there and and oil is just the the beginning of it um so yeah this has been quite a uh interesting conversation steve i'm glad that you were able to to make some time for me and, and the, the podcast audience always oh, great to talk to you uh, chris we just hopefully we can see if they can figure this out i mean the the fed and the 
and the politicians are everything in their power to do whatever it takes to get us going again. So we'll see if the behaviors of people can match uh, what they want. And, and this was a was a brief uh, brief uh, adventure. Boy, I hope so. The sooner the better. <laughs> well, Steve, thank you so much for coming on. And you know, Steve, make sure you uh, you stay safe out there. Don't uh, don't don't be catching anything. <laughs> Yep, now's the time to uh, to manage the risk of health ruin very carefully. Yep, yep, well said. And thank you guys for tuning in to today's How to Trade Stocks and Options podcast. Make sure you like, subscribe, and enable notifications. That way you never miss any of the tools, tips, and tricks that we upload every single week to help you trade faster and trade smarter. And I'll see you on the next episode. Hey, thank you so much for listening. And before you go, remember to head on over to finclub.ai to get your two free weeks of artificial intelligence stock picks. You've got nothing to lose and only the most advanced AI to help you trade with confidence at finclub.ai. That's finclub.ai. 10MinuteStockTrader.com content is for information and educational purposes only. It is not, nor is it intended to be, trading or investment advice or recommendation that any security, futures contract, options contract, transaction, or other financial instrument or strategy is suitable for any person. Trading securities can involve high risk and the potential for total loss of any funds invested. 10MinuteStockTrader.com and Christopher Ewell, through its content, financial programming, or otherwise, does not provide investment or financial advice or make investment recommendations. Investment information provided may not be suitable for all investors and is provided without respect to the individual investors and audience's financial sophistication, financial situation, investing time horizon, or risk tolerance. Tim and StockTrader.com and Christopher Ewell are not in the business of trading securities trades, nor does it direct client commodity accounts or give commodity trading advice, tailored to any particular client situation or investment objectives. 10MinuteStockTrader.com and Christopher Yule are not licensed financial advisors, registered investment advisors, or registered broker-dealers. Stocks, options, futures, futures options, and other financial instruments not included here involve risk and are not suitable for all investors. You alone are responsible for making your investment and financial trading decisions and for evaluating the merits and risks associated with the use of any financial security and broker platform. For more information, please visit 10MinuteStockTrader.com legal. And thanks for stopping by.